Hello and welcome to The Wicked Ones. This is Tara. And this is Jen. What's going on this week? We're doing the final school countdown. We only have two days. Nice. Well, tomorrow's our last day, so that's fun. I know. That's kind really of. Exciting. I mean, you're just going into a different battle. Right. Well, true, but at least, I don't know. It's a transition. I'm ready. Summer is, is upon us. Yeah. So we're excited. The kids are excited. One less kind of thing to worry about. But like I said, to me, it brings on, because I'm working all the time, it brings on just a whole different level of, like, what are they going to do? They can't sit around all day. They So it's just like one anxiety for another. But no, it is. At least I don't, we don't have to do homework. That's true. That's true. We couldn't find any camps, really. No. So. The girls are, like, aged out. It's hard. I know they were looking forward to being counselors this year, but they're not even hold, holding those camps because yeah. of COVID. It's such a bummer. I know. I think next year I will send them both away, though, for sleepaway camps, even though it gives me nightmares. It does. Yeah, it does. I just do. think it's so we do good way for too them. Many true crime stories. It's, it's so good for them to learn, though, and their independence and to know how they can take care of themselves and all those things. You know what I'm saying? I 100% do. I was really worried when Eva and Stella went to that last sleepaway camp, but they did. They did amazing. They did. All of the things she never does at home, she did them all by herself yeah. and did just fine. It's good for them. Yeah, it's really good for them. I agree. Um, um, yeah, you know what? We're going to say this at the beginning of the episode instead of the end because I know a lot of you don't, you know, probably listen to the very, very end when we just kind of get a little chatty. But please take a moment to rate and review. It's super easy to rate. If you don't have time for a review, we understand. But the rate takes literally a click of a button. So... Please consider doing that for us. Um, and also, if you're enjoying it, share with your friends. There's a lot of people into true crime that don't really talk about the fact that they're into true crime. So maybe share it. Think of sharing it on your page or share it, you know, among your friends or tag them in something that you've enjoyed listening to and, and tell them to listen in so you can discuss it next time you're together. That's what we did. That's how we kind of got started. That's exactly we, how we got started. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I am really interested to hear what you have for me today. You know nothing about this nothing. one. Nothing. Sometimes I leak it some bits. I haven't told you anything. Um, I'm going to start out with just bike shorts and crop tops. So this kind of led me into this. I know you're looking at me crazy. Bike shorts and crop tops are in right now. I know. They're everywhere. So it's a style that I'm struggling with because this mom does not belong in bike shorts or crop tops. Oh, but no. no. This duo, and I don't mean that, but you know, <laughs> I, I mean like for I me, know, too, I know, I know, yeah, it's like in horror. Could you imagine what Stella would do if I walked out in a crop top or bike shorts? <laughs> no. She'd be like, Mom, the where's child the rest would have of your a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get confused? Are you wearing Julia's clothes? Yeah. It would not go over well. No. Steve would fall over dead. <laughs> the whole family, the dog, everyone would just die because they would not be able to handle it. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, but anyways, this R&B duo, they rocked the bike shorts and the crop tops. <gasps> I'm taking back to that time. I think I might know who you're talking late about. Late 1980s, early 1990s. Who? Is it? Oh God, what if it's not them and I that's okay. sound like an idiot? Is it Millie Vanilli? It is Millie oh my Vanilli. God. Millie Vanilli. They did. <gasps> um, don't you remember? Yes. They would like just dominate the stage. They were so entertaining to watch. And I remember them in their bike shorts and their crop tops and their like 
long braids, like their cornrows. They were kind of they'd amazing looking. Run across they could the dance. They run across the stage and they'd high five each other, right? Yeah. yeah. See, every time <gasps> I see bike shorts and crop tops, I picture them in their crop tops. Yeah. They they oh, wore yeah. them. They rocked it. And you know what? I was watching a show the other day on athletes, and it was like this really cool exclusive like training camp for football players. And I was like, they all had on crop tops. Yeah, I, I walked out and I'm looking at it. I'm like, what are they wearing? These shorts were weird. Like I've never seen anything like them. And then the crop top. And I was like, well, maybe it just it's not restricting. And they well, it's a theory because you better. they don't want to wear a shirt because they're hot and it restricts their movement. But you really should wear a shirt. For sweat purposes. Like, even they say, like, a baby, when it's really hot, Mm -hmm. they need something that's going to wick the sweat off their body. You shouldn't have a baby laying there with With no clothes on, even though it's really hot. I think it's the same concept. And then also with running, they wear the bike shorts, right? Because the regular shorts Mm -hmm. are... Because they, like, are chafing, right? The regular shorts chafe, so they have to figure out something. They ride up, they move, they're all over the place. I was running, uh, when I was ran, ran over the weekend, I was thinking to myself, these shorts really suck. I wish I had a body where I could wear bike shorts, like literally, because they're so uncomfortable to run in after you start sweating and yeah. everything's moving and it's gross. But we'll never see that day. So, <laughs> anyways, like I said, the ladies loved Millie Vanilli. Oh yeah, do you remember that? I they do. were so pretty. They oh, were God. so pretty. I was the watching one, the videos. Did they both, or did just the one have those bright blue eyes? One of them did. Yeah. Yeah. It was Rob. Yeah. Um, and they loved the ladies. Mm-hmm. They played into it so well. Sadly, as we know, the duo ended in scandal. Do you remember all of I it? I do remember. Weren't they lip syncing or they weren't? Yeah. They didn't they were do lip-syncing. something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They, the world discovered that they were just the face of Millie Vanilli and they had been lip syncing. And this goes into another hot topic. They were canceled. Oh, they were. Canceled. Just across the board. No one wanted to understand their story. No one wanted to know what happened, how it all went down. They just were publicly shamed. They were mocked. They were shut out of the industry entirely. One member of the duo would even pay the ultimate price with his life. Wow. I don't see. I don't think I know the no. whole backstory on right? this. This yeah. is why I love the podcast, because then I learned all the things I didn't yeah. know about. But I couldn't help but, you know, bike shorts, crop tops, cancel culture, it was even happening oh, yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s. They just didn't have a name for it back then. Exactly. So the duo of Millie Vanilli was made up of Rob Polaris and Fabrice Morvan. Rob was born in, or he was born on June 8th, 1965 in West Germany. His father was an African-American soldier and his mother was a German stripper. He wasn't really born into ideal circumstances. Mm. He grew up in an orphanage, and even after he was adopted by a Munich family, he often suffered from racism. He grew up in an area where there was very few African Americans. Mm. That's hard. He, yeah, he. I mean, he grew up in yeah. a very hard, hard childhood. He left his adoptive family as a teen and then began working as a model and a breakdancer, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I um. Always loved street artists. Oh, yeah. Like, their dancing and their mm-hmm. music and their art is crazy. Even graffiti, I think it's oh, so yeah. cool. I told you my uncle's photo that he has, they call it the bomber. And it's this guy, and he's got on these, like, baggy pants, and he's got this cool-looking, like, pose, and he's got a graffiti can in his hand, and it is the coolest picture, and I want to put it in my house somewhere. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. 
Uh, Fab was born May 14th, 1966 in Paris, France. He had a similar background of growing up in being African-American, being less, you know, less of a popular, but he's still Paris is more of an international area. So Mm -hmm. he didn't suffer from. So it wasn't quite. Quite as extreme. Mm -hmm. Some of the racism, but not like what Rob had. And he also grew up in a little bit more of a privileged house. Not much, but he did go to school. He went to dance school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where Rob learned breakdancing on the street. So a similar but different background. Yeah. And uh, when I watched their interviews and kind of their dynamic, I got the the sense that Rob was kind of like the fighter and Fab was like the lover, right? Like one was, they just really rounded each other out. Like mm-hmm. Rob had a lot of like rough edges and yeah, he was like always ready to fight, like, you know, fight for his right. I mean, that sounds so, I'm talking about the Beastie Boys now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just very loud and vocal yeah. and, where Fab was like, come on, we can figure this out, you know, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? They yeah. just made a really great team. They met in a nightclub in Munich in 1988, and they didn't quite hit thing, hit off right away. They were almost like competition, because they were both, uh, like, dancers and was stuff it one in of the those, area. So the, what I'm imagining is, you know, what's that show? You mentioned, like, a dance-off in yes. the club. I don't know if that happened, but that's exactly that's what, what I, I was imagining, I you know? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, in their interview, Fab talks about how they would run in kind of the same circle, but not with each other. And they kept on running into each other. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really like each other because the other one, they always thought the other one was better. Okay. So it was kind of like, if you, you can't beat You hate them, your competition. Yes, you can't beat yeah. them, join them. And then they started slowly, like, hanging out and then really clicked. Wow. Uh, and That's they kind started, of a cool story, though. I it like is that. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, they started to model together. So they were on runways, catalogs. They did some dance shows, but they really bonded over music. And when I say these, there is not big time, right? Like when I say catalogs and runways, mm-hmm. I mean we have to remember like this. JC Penny. This is not they're not on billboards. Right. This is just right. getting paycheck to paycheck just to feed your mouth. The starving artist, yeah. right? They had yeah. no money. They didn't have anything. Whatever you got for me. Exactly. I they were taking with that yogurt. Yes, they <laughs> yeah. would take anything they could to make money. And they, they also had some difficulty communicating early on because if you remember, Rob spoke German, Fab spoke French. Mm-hmm. So now they're communicating in English to okay. meet in the middle. So neither was their first language, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah. But they really bonded over music. That was mm-hmm. kind of, they would say they would hang out and they were trying to like chat and then a song would come on and they were like, yeah. So then they would like get their beat together and their, their music and their moves, which kind of cool no it's even cooler to to think that they bonded and somehow came together even though they were competition and they didn't even speak the same language yeah i mean their That's story is really cool really people cool. would take time to yeah. hear it together they knew they wanted to be like pop stars music icons they they knew that was the the path that they wanted uh together they're discovered by this big time music producer frank farian he learned of the duo and he invited them back to the studio to listen to a demo now, Farian is big time. They know it. He has four studios filled with gold records. They're super impressed mm-hmm. by this guy. Oh my gosh, how did he find us? This could be our chance. They're young kids looking for a break. So they listen to the demo of Girl, You Know It's True. Okay. You know that? Yeah. Girl, you know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I was, Steve was like, you are not listening to that because I was playing it on 
my laptop that's broken, so I'm now. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we can sing that. I may have to. I think we can. I think out. no. I think we can oh, because we can? I don't know. It's totally scandalous. I don't even know if they, anybody's like paying attention to that. Well, one. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't. They're not even the ones who sang it. I don't know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't. I don't think that we need to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he brings him back. He has him listen to the to the demo of "Girl, You Know It's True," and then he asks Robin Fed like hey, do you think you guys could sing this? Mm-hmm. And they're like, of course we can. Yeah, totally, we could sing that. So he's like, well, we have shows to do next week, so don't worry about that right now. I just need you performing. We'll take care about the details later. I'm going to make you millions. Okay. And they're like, uh... So we don't have to practice this? So we, yeah, he just wants them, he's like, we just got to get out there and perform. So I'll take care of the rest. You guys just, you know, sign here. They sign. They're super excited. They think they're discovered. Uh, but, I mean, they signed this thick contract on Red. They have no management, no attorney. They're just going on faith on this guy. I mean, they look up to him. They kind of look at him like a father figure because he knows what he's doing. But there's so many red flags here. There are, yeah. I, you can, right now, it's clear that this guy has another plan for them, but... Well, they don't see it, though, because they think he's big time. He's huge. He has millions, and they trust him because they don't have anything to offer or anything to lose. So they think. So in their head, they wonder, well, what would they do with us anyways? What do we have to lose? He's the one who's taking the chance on us. Right. Later, they learned they walked right into his trap, and that's when Millie Vanilli was born. They... Because he owns them now. He owns them now. It's it's really sad. So they start performing to this track, and things immediately blow up. They're pretty. They can mm-hmm. dance. They have the moves. Oh, yeah. They're loved by everybody. But what Farian was doing is he would get the vocals separately. He would get all the pieces of the music separately and then build the tracks for them to play at the performances. So there was an MTV interview that I watched, and the bass player, Keith Young, said that he didn't even know what was going on. The band would practice, and they would record, but there was no rap and fab, so he would always wonder, where, when are they going to show up? When are they going to join practice? Yeah. But then he says at the performances, they would just knock it out of the park, so they must be practicing at some point, right? Right. Oh, no. Keith, so they're he not. didn't even know. He didn't even know what was going on. Wow. Isn't that crazy? No, that's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, Rob and Fab knew what was going on. But at one point, this is how undercover the whole thing was. Well, because they knew what would happen if people found out, right? I mean, they had to know that it was not going to be received well. Okay, so I'm going to... I'll or, jump forward a little bit. Okay. Yes, they they did. But this is not Farian's first rodeo with us. Oh. At all. He did not make his millions being an honest guy. So there's this other band that he put together, he produced for in the 1970s called Boney M. I didn't come up with the name, never heard of it. Mm -hmm. But they're this Euro-Caribbean band. And when Farian first broke into the music industry, he ultimately wanted to be a solo artist himself. Oh, okay. So he didn't want to be a producer. He wanted to be the face and, and the voice. So this Boney M band, he actually used his own vocals oh, and had a lead singer to lip sync. Okay. 
So, I mean, he's, this isn't the first. No, this isn't the first time he's done this. Yeah. Got you. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you get away once, I guess you can get away with it again. I don't know. So maybe, yeah, I know. But I still, I think when, when people keep things so under wraps, they have to know it's just not a good idea. Absolutely. So Rob and Fab repeatedly go back to Varian and they keep asking, when are we allowed for, to give our artistic input? When are we going to be allowed to sing? When are we, like, what's going on? When, when do we get our chance, you know? And Farian would kind of brush him off and say, you know, you need to get out there and promote. Like, we'll have time for you to record later, but this is what's hot right now and this is what we need to go with. Mm-hmm. So they just kept on, they kept on going. They didn't know what else to do, right? Then the record All or Nothing was released in Europe in November of 1988. And after that release, that's when Farian basically told Rob and Fab, it's too late. Just stop it right now. This single is a success. Now we're in it. We have to go through with this. You know, don't worry about it. I'll cover you guys and no one will find out. Mm. Rob and Fab are not on board with this. They're not happy. They leave. They go back to their hotel and they get a call later to come back to the studio. And when they get to the studio, Farian's like, okay, you guys can walk, but you guys need to pay me back the money. Mm. What a snake. Totally snake. So like they had used all the money that they were given to get their hair. So they didn't have in their if you would look, they didn't have the those are all extensions. Yeah. The oh, cornrows yeah. and all that. But they used all this money that Farian had given them to create this image and this yeah. lifestyle that they had, which now they have to pay it back if they and walk. They because they didn't read their freaking contract. Yeah. So they agree to stay on in order to pay the money back, because what are they gonna do? They if they walk away, they're, they're destroyed, not and now position. they have this money. Yeah. Right. Later mm-hmm. on, they when they look at the contract, they realize that they signed a contract for three records. Oh. Three records. So not just a couple of tracks. Three records, they're into this deal. So All or Nothing was relabeled as Grill You Know It's True, and it was released in the United States in March of 1989. Do you remember this? I do. I mean, yeah, I mean I we were young, we were but I remember little, hearing but... it. I had the cassette tape. Oh, yeah. I was actually thinking to myself that when we're done here and I go back home to pack my ass off, I'm going to put on some Millie Vanilli. It's, <laughs> for real. Yes. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Oh, Alexa, you better have that on. Oh, ready it's for so me. good. The girls think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I'm like, no, listen, it's so. I've been throwing out some old school stuff lately. What the videos it? are unreal. Yeah. I mean, they, I just remember they could dance. They could dance. Because I couldn't dance. No. And I just remember being like, wow, how do you learn how to do that? Right. So, and that was one of the things, too, is that they were lip syncing, but they still worked hard. Well, yeah. Lip syncing is not easy. And they pulled that off for a real long time. They did. While dancing and keeping it all together. So, like I said, All or Nothing was relabeled and it was. Um, as Girl You Know It's True is released, released in the U.S., and it's immediately a huge success. It produces five singles that debuted on the top five of the Billboard Hot 100. Wow. That, that's yeah, big. That's a big deal. Yeah. Three of them were number one. Um, I'm sure you remember all of these. So, Baby, Don't Forget My Number. Yes, that was the first one that popped into my head. So good. Blame It on the Rain and Girl, I'm Going to Miss You. 
Oh my gosh. I want to go buy kissing coolers and crop tops and <laughs> bike shorts. And fanny packs. Fanny packs and scrunchies. I'm back. See? Right? Yeah. But things are getting out of control, right? Now Rob and Fed know they're in too deep. They're debuting at number one. They make they have to do all these appearances. Yeah. They can't get out. And keeping the secret was difficult and it was taking a toll on them. They're living what appears to be a dream, but ultimately it's a, all of their fortune is a fake. So they're making a ton of money. They talk about how they don't even ha- know how much money that they're making. They don't even know what's going on. They're literally just shuttled around and just thrown on stages. And Did they actually get the money? They did get money okay. at that point. I mean, they were, they were making money. I don't know how much. Like they didn't even know how much. Oh they had gosh. no idea what's going on. They had nobody helping them. They tried to get out, and then they said they also felt so isolated because they couldn't get close to anyone because no one knew like their life was a lie. Yeah. So like, even though they really... were these famous faces that everybody loved, ultimately inside they're like dying. They're alone. Yes, they said they were alone. They couldn't get and close to anyone. And they're probably afraid to say anything. They didn't anywhere. want to talk to no. anybody. Not even that. They said. And later on, I'll tell you about that, too. They, they were scared because their English wasn't even that great. And they had such yeah. strong accents. They were afraid they were going to say something stupid. Yeah. Oh. I know. And they tried to quit. But then they find out they also signed a confidentiality agreement. So if they walked away, they would literally lose it all. And they get depressed. They start doing drugs. They start living, like, this party lifestyle. They... um. They go to the AMAs. They do great. They get a, they win a Grammy in 1989, and this was their oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. Rob's interview, he actually says in the interview that all he wanted, all they wanted, was not to win the Grammy. They they prayed that they would not win the Grammy because they got the um, for newest artist, like best artist of the year, newest artist of the oh, year. I can't remember. They couldn't even be. They they didn't even want it. They're like no, because they knew once they won, there was going to be a target on their back. Yeah. They knew things were just going to a level that they couldn't maintain. Because once you win something like that, people start to wonder. Other artists start to wonder. Everybody wants to just know your story. Like, where's your artistic credibility? Your, you know, where yeah. did you learn this? What's your future? What's your plans? Yeah. And they weren't in control of anything. They yeah. were literally just the face and the moves. It's just so sad because here these, oh, all they wanted was, this is all they wanted. And here it is. And they can't even enjoy it. They couldn't enjoy any of it. No, it was I felt like a them. fake. Yes, it's crazy. I'm telling you, the more we learn about fame and celebrities, mm-hmm. it's not all it's cracked really up to happy be half the time. Living <laughs> this modest life in the Midwest. I So controversy was sparked when they did interviews, like I said, because mm-hmm. they had these very strong accents and they lacked a lot of the English language skills. So after they were interviewed, people were... How are they singing when, maybe because they're told what to sing? Because their voices weren't really. They didn't match. No, No, the accents. I thought at first that that was why they were afraid to to talk before when you were saying they didn't really want to talk to people. I thought that was one of the reasons. The accents, but also because they didn't have the language skills. Yeah. Like they could speak English, but it wasn't great. So how are they singing? But then I guess I feel like, well, when you're singing, you're being told what to say. Yes. You're not answering a question because sometimes when you're answering a question or speaking in another language, the context isn't the same. So you're saying things that right. So I mean, if it's written sense. down and you practice it enough, it'll come out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, right. I see that. Um, but what I guess there was 
at one performance kind of led ultimately to their downfall. Do you remember this, their performance? I I feel like I, I've seen bits and pieces of it throughout the years, but like I don't remember actually watching it. I watched the performance. You know, I have to find everything. Um, I watched the performance, and it was heartbreaking to watch. It was so sad. Um, so they were touring with MTV, and they were doing this live performance in Bristol, Connecticut. And the pre-recorded track to Grill You Know It's True started skipping. And it was Rob's Grill You Know It's True. So he did it like once, twice, three times. But he's he's... There's only so many times you can lip sync, girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know, like, girl, 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 girl. And he's like, ah. So he freaks out and runs off stage because he didn't know what to do. Do you remember downtown Julie Brown? She was there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What? Downtown Julie Brown was there. She was backstage, and she talked to Rob and convinced him to go back out on stage and finish the set. And they say that the audience didn't even really notice. Really? They didn't even care. It wasn't an issue with the audience. No one did anything. They just kept on, like, going, figured it was, I don't know. Okay. They didn't make a big deal out about it there, but obviously there's huge fallout. At that moment, like, they weren't booed. Nothing happened. They finished the set. The concert went off. No one ever said anything. Okay. You know, I mean, for yeah. us now, I feel like people get booed and, like, all this crazy stuff happens. As we know, it didn't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. They, I just felt so bad for them. And when I watched him, like, he looked so confused and ran off the stage. It was very painful to see. He didn't want to see you. No. To make matters worse, in December 1989, one of the real singers, Charles Shaw, came forward and he said he's one of the, the three real vocalists on the album. Now, there's some controversy in this, and obviously I don't know unless I have the actual records in front of you apparently there's there was credit given in europe when it was released the actual vocalists are on that album oh they're given credit so it's on those out when it got released in the u.s their names were not on it so i don't know how that went down i don't know i mean i feel like when we were that age, we read all the things on the inserts, oh, right? Yeah. And you're super excited when the lyrics came with it, yeah. right? You read all that. So Shaw was super pissed, and he came forward, and he's like, I'm one of the voices. Rob and Fab don't sing on there ever. Like, they don't do anything. Farian was like, shut up. <laughs> Take oh. this money yeah. and retract your statement. So he pays off Shaw $150,000. And he says, never mind, I was just kidding. And he retracts his statement. But we all know, that's kind of like when you're in court and they're like, strike that from the record. And I'm like, everybody heard it. Yeah, everybody knows. (laughs) Same situation. So he retracts his statement, but the statement's still out there. Yeah. Damage has been done. The damage has been done. And it's slowly, like, just going on and on. I watched a few things that I found on YouTube from the early 1990s. They They were really sad. So... There's an episode of In Living Color, Color where they do a parody of Millie Vanilli and they like mock their accents Aww. and their dance moves and their fashion. And then I saw a skit that David Letterman did that said that was a top 10 list describing the jobs that Millie Vanilli could 
now have. And oh. like one was like a Jamaican pickpocketer and like, I mean, they were just really insulting just, to watch that on TV about yourself. It's just, it was really, really sad. And so Robin Fath, they decide that the only way that they could survive these lies and make a comeback and survive the music industry is that if they went on to sing on the next album, they still haven't given up. They're feeling real bad. The industry is not being very kind, but they're still determined that they're going to sing and they're going to make it. So they try to convince Farian into letting him sing. And he just was not on board at all. He had heard them sing already and he didn't think that that was the sound that he wanted. Right. But Robin Fab didn't give up. They tried to strong arm Farian into it and even would no show for like dance rehearsals and dance videos, trying to kind of show like you need us as much as we need you. Mm -hmm. We're not going to participate. Well, Farian did not agree because he just decided to come clean. He just came out with it. Two years of Milli Vanilli and they're just done. That was it. And they went on to just be treated like garbage and nothing happened to Frank Farian. He just continued in the industry, like, which baffles me. Yeah. No, I, part of me is not surprised. They were, so Robin Fab, they talk about how they were so sad, but they were a little bit relieved. But they ultimately didn't know how it was going to end up. Yeah. Well, they were like, where they were we still waiting to hear what the public was going to, what was yeah. the public going to say? What's the industry going to say? And they end up, it didn't go over well, as you know. I remember, oh. I mean, I was so young and I remember everybody just hating on them. And so they end up hiding out, right? They're not leaving the house. They have this rejection of their fans. I mean, there's these public displays of them, like, destroying Millie Vanilli's music and posters. And you know how the so media is. So once again, they're alone. But now it's... Now it's really alone. It's so much worse. And I know. Isn't that sad? Yeah, it really is. Um, they decide in 1991 that they're going to make a comeback album. It's labeled just Rob and Fab. They got picked up by um, a record label. They weren't offered very much money, but they were more worried about just making a comeback than the actual money. They also do this carefree gum ad. I don't know if you remember the ad. I didn't remember it until I watched it again. No, the, the only thing I can gum, think of are, like, the Doubleman Twins. That's all I can think of. Do they still make Carefree Gum? The yeah, gum? I think they do. Yeah. So, in the video, they're poking at themselves. So, they're singing and singing and singing, and then it, like, skips. And then it says, when do you think Carefree Gum will run out of flavor? And it's like, when these two start singing for themselves. Oh, it's okay. really sad. Okay. And but they did it. They felt like they had to laugh at it. I think they were, wait, they were trying to make a joke out of it so that everybody else would kind of go, OK, that's over with. Which, what do you have for us now? Yeah, they were like, uh-huh. they were trying to yeah. can't laugh at it. Yeah. They were trying any angle they could. So back in the recording studio, the producer talks about how Fab was really focused and he was willing to do all the hard work. And Rob was focused, but he had trouble. You could tell there was, he was struggling with some underlying things. He was easily distracted. 
But the couple, I shouldn't call them a couple, I guess, the duo, <laughs> the duo felt like they were making it, making headway when they were invited to perform on the Arsenio Hall show. I did not oh, know. Do you remember Arsenio? No. I, well, I just, yeah. So they weren't ever invited on Arsenio before because Arsenio only allowed live performances. So much I didn't know. So they never, they couldn't perform on Arsenio. Okay. Yeah. They were super excited because now they're invited as Rob and Fab on Arsenio to perform live. Okay. In their interview, they're super humble. It was admirable in okay, the so way that they well. act. It went well. Oh, okay. Okay. No, it like, went oh, well. Boy. Like, Arsenio yeah. basically asked him, what would you like to say, blah, blah, blah. And Fab was, we take responsibility for, for what happened. We're not going to throw anyone's name out there. We're, you know, this is on us. Very humble. I was, because I would have been like, that guy's a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> he set yeah. us up. That was not the case wow. at all. It was very, I was, I was shocked. But they... You know, they said they wouldn't point fingers. They're going to take responsibility. They performed live. And Arsenio basically said, like, it's really sad that you guys didn't start out singing for yourselves because that was great. Oh, way to go, Arsenio, though, for yeah. giving them a shot and having them back on. That's awesome. I was kind of worried just because I knew it's, it's, it's a live. It's yeah. a live and it's, it's, a, it's a comic show. It's a comedic how. show. And I didn't know. I didn't know how that was going to go. Yeah, it yeah. went well. Good. But. The record failed, unfortunately. There was only 2,000 copies sold because the label didn't even have enough money to print the records. So they couldn't even really get it out there. They They couldn't couldn't even market it. Much less promote it because they couldn't even print it. Yeah. And this was a huge turning point for Rob. He pretty much gave up. He's using drugs. He's taking pills. He's drinking in November 1991, he climbed out of his hotel window and was hanging from the balcony, threatening to jump. Uh, he said at this time he had already been through two treatment centers. He was shut up out of the business he loved. He didn't have anybody or anything. And he was running out of money. Like, he just didn't have any will to live anymore. They were in so much pain. And Fab talks about his pain, too. But he And he did get into drugs, but not like Rob. Rob went... Like I said, they were two very different personalities. Mm-hmm. And I can see from the beginning to the end how they would go the way they went. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. Even watching their interviews, their mannerisms. One was like all in and full speed ahead. And the other one was a little more cautious and laid back. Yeah. 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 So by 1992, it was the end of their comeback tour. It was the end. Of, their efforts were over. And it was also the end of their friendship. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they decided to go their own ways. They just couldn't withstand the scrutiny, and people were poking fun at them wherever they went. No one took them seriously. Like, essentially, they were a joke to everybody mm-hmm. the public, to, I mean, everybody that they ever looked up to. And when they were together, it was worse. So it just didn't. Because they were recognized worse. together. Yeah. So if they were separate, at least it was was a little less, which was sad because the two of them were the only two that could ultimately understand what they'd been through. So they really needed each other at this time, but they couldn't stand to be together because it just made their situation worse. How horrible. That's, that's just, it's heartbreaking. This whole story. It's really sad. I had no idea all of the stuff that, that goes on. 
Like I said, Rob never recovered. He got into drugs and violence. In 1996, he was arrested for assault. And listen to this. And I want to I get your thoughts on how and why you think this went down. So he's arrested for assault. Farian bails him out of jail from Germany. He's in the U.S. And then helps him complete his 11th stint in rehab. So he comes out. He's clean. He leaves for Germany in November 1997 to go back to make music with Farian. Really? Right? So what do you think from both points of view? Oh, wow. I didn't think Farian even had a heart after everything that I you had told me. I was like, what a douche. This guy is just this big music mogul and doesn't care who he stops on. So now I'm wondering, did he have a guilty conscience and feel like he needed to help this guy? Right? And I don't know. I don't know. And then how does Rob trust him? Is he really ultimately think that Varian wanted well for him and didn't wish him any ill will? Or is he just that desperate? I don't want I have a feeling he didn't have anyone else. Oh, it's he so didn't crazy. have anybody else to rely on. I mean, who else is going to bail him out and, and help him get through treatment? You know what I mean? When you do that for somebody, I think you regain that trust back. Yeah. They have no choice but to lean on you and hope that you're not going to screw him again. No, I know. Right? But it's sad. So in between 1991 and 1996, he had been in rehab 11 times. That's a lot. That's a really, he had a hard time coming clean. Unfortunately, on April 3rd, 1998, Rob was found um, dead in his hotel room. He had passed away from an overdose. And your body can only take so much. Yeah, and they, you know, I mean, when you go, they say when you go back, it's progressive, right? So mm-hmm. the sad thing is, uh, Fab and Rob never made up. Aww. They never. They never did. They never had a chance to to kind of wipe the slate clean and say their piece to each other, which is really sad. But Fab talks about how he's okay with it because he knows that they both knew I'm trying to cry who each other were and where they came from. And he, he just believes that Rob knew and he didn't have to, he's okay with it, which is, says a lot about a friendship, I think. Oh yeah, it really does. It's just, they, everything was against them. Their backs were up against the wall and they had, that is terrible. That's just, that's so sad. That's a sad story, right? It really is. I had no idea this whole background on them. No. And I'm just thinking about how they spent this money to get these dreads and to get this appearance that their producer wanted them to have and then tells them, well, you have to pay us that money back. I just, I don't know. They really, their backs were up against the wall. They, once they were in it, they had no idea. And I just picture these young guys coming into a studio and super excited, signing their life away to someone <sighs> And just not... And how many stories do you hear of people being taken advantage of in the industry? Yep. Countless. Countless it's... people not getting paid, people being in poverty, and their managers or producers... Oh gosh, or even, I mean... Live in the know, high life. Even sexual advances oh, and favors in yeah. order to advance your career. It, All there's, of those things. Yeah. So many titles of that that I came across when I was doing research on... The music industry. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a dirty place. It's, 
I, yeah. I'll pass on that one too. Yeah, yeah. But Fab went on as Fabrice in his solo solo career because he, when I saw his recent interviews, he's just very like chill. He's very zen. Um, he felt like Fab wasn't who he was. It's kind of what he was when he was younger. So he goes by Fabrice. He. It sounds more chill. What? It sounds more chill. More chill. Like, like, he just seems very at ease with himself. Yeah. He seems very comfortable in his skin. So and he's still recording? He's still recording. Oh. He does. He's done some solo stuff. He's played in some venues in L.A. Uh, he worked as a, D- as a DJ on a radio. He's DJed events for Heineken and like, Amsterdam. He's worked in the fashion industry. He's even been a public speaker. Well, we haven't heard a lot about him, but it's he, he's definitely made a name for himself in everything that he's done. He hasn't just... That's great. I mean, good for him. He even did a album with John Davis. So John Davis was one of the, orig- the, one of the real singers. And he, Fabrice and John Davis, actually collaborated on an album uh, called Face Meets Voice, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't look up the album. I don't even know how much of it was produced or made, but I thought it was really cool that even one of the, you know, the singers, they weren't upset with Fab, Fabrice, whatever you want to call them. They were able to collaborate, like saying like, hey, you were the face, I was the voice. We got into a shitty situation and they worked together. Unfortunately, John Davis died of COVID-19. Um, oh. May 24th, 2021. So it was very recent. Wow. Yeah. How old was he? 66, oh. I believe. So not very old. Yeah. And then Frank Varian, he actually, he's 79 or 80 now, and he lives in Miami, Florida. Huh. Pretty crazy. Is he still producing and doing music? I believe he still owns a couple things. I don't mm. think he's... He doesn't have his hands in it anymore. No, but just... I believe he's yeah. a mogul. Oh, sure. From what I understand. But he went on unscathed. There's no mention of him receiving any type of backlash for his behavior. And then I also, I read all these things where they were saying how unfair it was. But this is not that uncommon for these things to happen then. That people would very often lip sync to their tracks. Well, wasn't, didn't Ashley Simpson get in trouble for Oh, yeah, she one? was canceled immediately. She yeah. never did anything in music after that, but yeah. did her in. But, I mean, that was on SNL. Like, you can't do that on there. Mm-hmm. But they were saying, like, where they had gotten so-called caught, these live performances, like, in an MTV tour, it was very rare for these people to get out there and sing and dance because most of them couldn't. Most of them did play a pre-recorded track, and they would just get out there and lip sync and dance because right. you can't do both on these tours the entire time. So it wasn't, I think where the problem comes in though, is that they were lip syncing and it wasn't even their voice. It wasn't their voice. Yeah. Yeah. No. But with Ashley Simpson, didn't they try to say maybe that she had something going on with her voice? Mm -hmm. So she couldn't. Her voice was strained. Right. But they were saying that's fine, but they should should have been straightforward. Mm, I got you. So that there's just a lot of caveats with this. Yeah. When you can use it and how, and when it's okay. Mm -hmm. Who you are, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure, but. I don't think it's as popular now. I mean, most people, people are probably terrified to have that have happen. any type of limp sinking. I don't know. And I didn't mention 
the real voices behind Mila Vanilli. I'm just going to read their names off really quick. I didn't go into them. Not because they're not important, but I was really focusing. Well, you were really focusing on it, yeah. On the on the face. So, um, Jody Rocco, Linda Rocco, John Davis, Brad Howell, and Charles Shaw were the vocals. Wow. You didn't expect all that. I did All from not. bike shorts and crop tops. I'm just imagining all the, the cool videos and the oh, They had the coolest jackets. The, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Staring longingly into the camera with their <laughs> eyes. I was mesmerized by the videos. No, they were very good looking, and they knew how to move and do, I mean, they were it, man. Some they of the managers even it. talk about how Farian was a genius, because he combined great voices with great faces. With great he faces knew what was going to sell, and if he couldn't find that talent together, he was still going to make it happen. So he might even be admired by some of the people in the Maybe. music industry. I don't, you know, I don't have that experience to know, but... It's just too bad that it went so wrong for... For them. Yeah. So that's my music industry story. It doesn't have... Well, I mean, Rob passes away. Rest in peace. But there was no murder. I hope everyone's happy with that. <laughs> you tried, <laughs> tried really hard. I did. Because be there's a lot of scandal. <laughs> And I told that from my phone because my computer just yeah. died. So oh, hopefully it went okay. Rest in peace because I, I think it's I think done. it's officially dead. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. And I'm excited to get summer started. And yeah. Yeah. We'll have to let you guys know if we take a break. Yeah, we, we may need to just because I'm not sure. My story, my story is completely terrible yet. <laughs> Seriously, there are lots of red flags. I'm like, oh, nobody did a podcast on this yet. Huh, that's crazy. Oh, this... People are hiring hitmen for all sorts of things over here, and people are somehow falling off balconies. And oh my gosh! So I was like, you know, we might not want to put this one out there. So if you see a break in a couple of weeks, that's because we decided that Tara's story was just going to stay between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that one might not get released, but we'll see. We'll see. I know you're curious. All right. Well, everybody, have a good one until we talk to you next. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.